Hey everyone, it's Tempe This Week, the podcast. Yay! I'm your host, Chris Baxter-King. With me, as always, is Roy Tatum, co-host. Angela Johnson, co-founder of Fabric. Damon Brash, chef and owner of Green and Nami. Jess Jeevitis, Tempe Public Library. Maddie Mercer, City of Tempe Sustainability Office. Brenda Clark, Neighborhood Services. Today's show is all about how eating delicious food and wearing beautiful clothes helps our planet. Chef Damon is the owner of Green New American Restaurant here in Tempe. The restaurant's taken several awards, including a national award for Best Vegan Mock Chicken Sandwich and the 2022 New Times Best of Phoenix Best Vegan Restaurant Award. Congratulations. Former President Bill Clinton, Madonna, Kendrick Lamar, and others have all eaten Green's food. Wow. And they've had glowing reviews. Green isn't just good vegetarian food. It's just really good food, and we are all eating some of it right now. Chef Damon, what was the inspiration behind Green? Well, the inspiration behind Green is probably, um, you know, I love food. I love cooking food. I love eating food. Um, I am vegan and plant-based. My whole family is. And I was fortunate enough to open up some, some great restaurants in the Valley with some friends and uh, there came a time where I wanted to branch out and do my own thing, and that's how Green was born. And it's 100% vegan, plant-based, and we really put a lot of love and care into our food. Is it important to you to focus on vegan and vegetarian cuisine? I mean, is it just about the food, or is it about the planet, too? Yeah, it's definitely about both. Um, it's about good food. It's about sustainability and where you're sourcing your food and what your food goes through before it ends up on your plate. Um, it's also about your own personal health too. Um, we've, we've seen some miraculous um, positive health changes by people who turn to a vegan diet. And um, you know, it, that, that's been the most gratifying thing for me is to watch people you know, eradicate disease by, by just eating plants. We have a cheeseburger on the table. We have chicken wings. Yeah. We have egg rolls, samosas. I mean, there's a lot of food on here that most people wouldn't think of as being really good for you. And yet, um, you know, what is what is the secret sauce to this? What what makes your food so delicious and yet still so good for you? It starts with me just wanting to nourish people and give people really good food. We take it very very seriously, and we properly season stuff. And I mean, let's. Let's be real. Nobody really wants to eat a bowl of broccoli every night. Um, So our food, I've always kind of looked at it as like a crossover restaurant where, yes, we do have a lot of healthy stuff. I see a salad. You know, there's organic greens in there. Um, A lot of our stuff is organic. It's all non-GMO. But, you know, that's 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 one aspect of our secret sauce and then the other one I would say is just surrounding myself with amazing people we have like a really really great and loyal staff and um, it's it's a real pleasure to be a part of it what do you say to people who are reluctant to try something new even though it is something so familiar like a like an egg roll or a or a samosa or a chicken wing 
Well, the first thing I would do is ask them why they're reluctant to try it. Um, you know, we're, we're a super busy restaurant and it's because we make really delicious food. So I'd kind of figure out what their deal was at first. <laughs> I'd be like, you know, try this chicken wing. And usually when they do, um, you know, our chicken wings are made with soy protein and mushroom. Um, usually when they do try it, um, they're pretty blown away. Um, they're pretty s satisfied and satiated, and it, and, and it meets that criteria that you're looking for. I mean, food should be exciting, and it should be bold, and the best food is. We've watched a lot of different people drift our way because they just dig the food. I mean, most of our, our a, a good half of our customer base is omnivores. They're not even vegans or vegetarians. They just enjoy the food. So give it a chance. So Chef Damon, this is Roy, Roy Tatum here. Hey, I want to ask a quick, quick question about, you know, many people choose their foods based on what they ate when they were children. Sure. And I'm thinking about uh, the Happy Meal or going to other fast food restaurants that people get, they're used, that's what they're used to eating. For sure. So how can you introduce this type of diet um, to children? Well, the easiest way is just bring them to green and we'll expose them to it and they'll love it <laughs> and they'll be very happy. They might bug you that they want to come back. Um, that's exactly why the menu is designed the way it is. It's not meant to be weird. There's nothing more off-putting than going into a vegan or vegetarian restaurant and getting vibed out because, you know, you're wearing leather shoes or something. You know, everybody wants to feel like they're a part of something and we love that. You know, we, lo we love anybody that comes into our restaurant. And we will feed them. And kids, they gravitate towards it. You know, we've got great chicken nuggets. We've got great burgers. We've got fries. We've got everything that the kids want. It's plant-based. And, you know, some of it is deep fried. And some of it is, you know, kind of a, a bit more, like I said, the crossover food. But if you can just make these small incremental changes, um, I think you'll see the benefits, both from a health standpoint and from an environmental standpoint, for sure. Madeline, isn't it true that there are huge planetary benefits to just substituting out even one vegetarian meal a week? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. It takes a lot more water and energy to produce a unit of meat than it does a unit of vegetables. So just subbing one meal a week can make a huge impact. That was a lot. Like A lot of people don't think about that. Can you, you know, break that down to someone that's non-scientific? that may not understand, they don't even think about water consumption when we're talking about meat production. So can you dial that back a little bit and explain, you know, take, take us to 10 feet? Sure, so 10 feet, it helps to think about it as a food chain, right? So if you were a bunny rabbit and all you needed to eat a day was some grass, maybe eat some carrots, the, all the energy going into making that grass is just that. But if you're a coyote and you want to eat the bunny rabbit, well, then you need a lot more rabbits and all the food they eat, you know, to get your protein and nutrients that you need for the day. So if we can just start eating more like rabbits, then, you know, <laughs> we'll be at a lot lower impact in terms of how many resources we need to feed ourselves. So we're now about to dig into some of Chef Damon's food. So uh, uh, talk to us about what we're eating. Uh, well, we have a, a good assortment here. We have uh, some of our chili fries. I love the sound the effects back. of the crunch. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, what do we have? We have our samosas. We have our crab puffs, which are amazing. They've, they've been on the menu since day one, and we make them by hand every day. 
Um, we also have our Big Wack sandwich, which is a vegan version of a, of a Big Mac. And that's actually our best-selling item. It's very delicious. Um, I could eat one every day. Um, they're, they're very fun. Um, then we also have some salad as well. We have on, the, on our menu at Green, we have a ton of really, really great fresh salads. Um, and then Angela and I are on low carb right now. Yeah, so that's perfect. That's, that's what we're digging into. Yeah, yeah, we can. We have it all. We have tons of gluten free stuff. We have low carb stuff, um, and then we have, um, of course, our buffalo wings, which um, we've been fortunate enough to win many awards for. Um, and those are like a mushroom soy base um, tossed in a white wine and garlic wine uh, buffalo sauce, and they're pretty tasty. Amazing. So, Jessica, you're a longtime customer of Green, right? I am. So, so, talk to us about your favorite dish and what do you keep going back for? Uh, well, everything. I can't narrow it down. As I was saying earlier, I've, I've already tried all of these things, so I'm thrilled that they're here. Uh, but I spent the last 13 years in Northern California and came back three times a year to Arizona for my niece's birthdays. My mom told me about a new vegetarian place she'd found, and we went, got food, and got soinamis, and I was hooked. So three times awesome. a year, while I was living in Northern California, we were coming back here. Uh, I got engaged and brought my, my now wife to try soinamis and the menu at Green. And when I came back here, That's I had amazing. talked so much about green that the literacy department and the mm -hmm. library that I'd left had uh, bought $200 worth of gift cards to green as a, as a going away <laughs> present for oh, me. So our so first cool. meals and moving back to Tempe <laughs> were from green. So it is, it is central to my life and I thank Chef Damon for that. Thank so, you, that so during, so nice. During um, some of our podcasts, we try to offer up a helpful tip or two um so you don't have to eat out to eat sustainably so Jessica tell us more about that thank you Roy I will so obviously I work at the library I have about nine million books but I narrowed it down to bring this right now uh, and with regard to your earlier question about how to kind of make vegan changes in your life there's a great book called But I Could Never Go Vegan by Christy Turner, available from checkout from the Tempe Public Library. And it great talks plug. about kind of how you can sub out some of the things. Um, and we have this cookbook at home as well as her next one. So it's something that we use. We also have the Zero Waste Chef talking about sustainability and how to minimize your, your food waste. We've got a couple of different books like The Zero Waste Guide or Zero Waste by Shia Su. And then just for fun, I brought the Guerrilla Gardening graphic novel talking about urban gardening, which I know Maddie knows a lot about. Um, but there are so many options and the library is a great place to start for that. If you're thinking about trying your hand at vegan cooking, um, there's some great cookbooks at the Tempe Public Library. Uh, there's also a big selection of books, videos, audio tapes on a wide range of sustainability topics. Well, and that's the thing about the library. We have something for everyone, no matter what the situation. You get to know kind of what people are interested in, what they're looking for, and then you have those custom book or music or audio book recommendations. We've got Canopy where you can download and watch the strangest films of all time. So, you know, come get a library card. Awesome. Chris, aren't you excited? I am really excited. We have an urban farmer with us today, um, Madeline Mercer. We're here, we're dining on all the prepared foods, but 
Maddie's going to talk to us a little bit about what happens before then. She's got a passion for sustainable foods. She embarked on a research project to help catalog food growers, food manufacturers, and restaurants with outstanding sustainability practices. Um, why, why this research? Is it important? Well, it's the... I have the best chances of getting free lunch as a sustainability <laughs> food researcher, so it's a big win for me. But I also grew up with a real connection to the food system. I was always gardening with my grandfathers. They both had a green thumb, skipped my mom, and now it went to me. So I really enjoy getting the chance to just connect with the earth and grow food for myself and to share with others. But in terms of the field, I think it's a really great entry point for sustainability because everybody eats, right? So if you can talk about sustainability and how it impacts their daily lives based on people's choices and in terms of their food, it you know can make a really big impact and help people understand some of the other work that we do that might not be as tangible. What has your research in Tempe found so far? Sure. So the work that we're doing is through a U.S. Department of Agriculture Urban Ag and Innovative Production Grant, and it's really focused on assessing the current state of the Tempe food system to really understand what kind of food initiatives are happening already. Because even though the city is just starting our work here, there's already a lot of amazing work being done in Tempe in the food space. So we really wanted to just start by recognizing what's happening and seeing how we can partner with them. So we did a initial food asset map where we were starting to map out existing community gardens, seed libraries, like the one at the library over here. Uh, love to plug that. Uh, we also wanted to just find out where people are getting their food. So we did a food needs assessment with some of the community members in Northeast Tempe and just asked how people are interacting with food on a daily basis. Where do they get it from? Do they cook at home? Do they grow at home? Really to just find out what barriers people are facing to accessing food and what interest do they have in getting more involved in the local food economy. Your team also works the Climate Action Plan. Um, you do a lot of education efforts and tree plantings and just the things that most people would normally think of being associated with the Sustainability Office. But what are ways that, easy ways, that residents and businesses can get involved with what's going on in Tempe, especially in your area? Sure. So in the food space, I mean, it's easy. You can start growing at home even if you just have a patio. So a few weeks ago, we did an activity with the school where we used some food containers, coffee cans, whatever you have to start as planters. And we had some seeds. So you can look online at the library for some resources on what's in season right now, what you can grow and just get started even at a small scale. It's really fun for kids and adults alike. And there's also a lot of upcoming opportunities to get involved with the city's work. On May 10th, we're having an event with the Parks and Rec team called Making Space Festival at Escalante Community Center. And you can come by and check out all of the local food work that we're doing from 5.30 to 7.30. It's so easy to make little choices like what to wear and what to eat every day. And every small step that you take makes a big difference for our planet. And we're here today with Angela Johnson and Roy's gonna tell us all about her. We all get dressed every day. Angela Johnson and the team at Fabric are making it easier for us to wear things that have a smaller footprint. Angela is the co-founder of Fabric, Tempe's fashion incubator. Fabric has been a revolutionary force in an industry known for trendiness. Fabric has been open in Tempe since 2016 with an idea of helping hopeful designers 
learn how to launch a fashion brand and to help existing designers manufacture their products more easily. So Angela, fabric is different than most fashion production houses. Designers don't have to make thousands of one garment to place an order. How does that help reduce waste? So before I kind of answer that question, I want to give you some interesting facts for everybody to think about. Please. Fashion is the second most polluting industry on the planet next to the oil industry. The U.S. Wow. throws wow. away up to 11.3 million tons of textile waste every year. Um, there are about 87% of the total fiber input used for clothing is ultimately incinerated or put in the landfill. And fashion accounts for up to 10% of global carbon dioxide output. So it's affecting all of us, and it's our duty as citizens of the earth to fix this um, because we all are, are contributing to that. When, when we actually demand that our clothing is cheaper, then these uh, manufacturers are forced to overproduce in giant quantities overseas in sweatshops to be able to meet those demands. And that means that we all need to be thinking about our clothing differently. It shouldn't be disposable. It shouldn't cost less than our lunch. It should be something that we hold on to and we cherish. So in, in, instead of manufacturing giant quantities, the idea is to be able to reshore manufacturing, put it back into the hands of the artists, the people who are creating unique pieces, allow them to be able to make smaller batches on demand when those orders come in instead of overproducing giant quantities that they end up throwing away or sending to a third world country because the U.S. can't take any of it anymore. Um, and that's why we created Fabric. Fabric is a place where somebody who is starting a brand and they're filling a void in the marketplace, they're trying to make something that you can't find at a big, huge retailer. Um, so maybe it's a size, um, you know, special sizing or a special niche in the marketplace, they're, they're going to be able to make smaller batches domestically. And to me, that's the biggest thing in sustainability when it comes to fashion. If you're making things fairly and you're making it sustainably and you're making it in small batches. So that's what we're here Th for. This sounds wonderful because I remember growing up and it, it, nothing would ruin your day more than putting on an outfit, going to school, and seeing someone with the shirt that you have on. Yes. <laughs> so this is exciting. Angela's been able to do some amazing things with her, with her partner Sherry um, at Fabric. One of the things that I've really appreciated is those niche markets. You've had people who have made beautiful ball gowns for um, people of religions who want to dress modestly. You've made things like um, bras for women who have had mastectomies. Um, what are some of the other things that you've seen come out of fabric? I guess the secret sauce, the, the formula, is you have to fill a void in the marketplace like that. You're not going to compete with the big, huge, fast fashion brands on price. So creating something that is special, then your, your customers are willing to spend a little bit more on it because they can't find it someplace else. So an example would be we have people who have created transgendered clothing so that it fits the body type of the person who is trying to wear it. We have people who have created tall clothing for thin men because usually a tall guy goes out and it and they only find big and tall and what if you're not big but you're tall you know so there are you know i can keep going i mean there's just a every niche you could think of we've probably seen it at fabric it's amazing 
Um, I've, I can't tell you how many wonderful things I've seen come out of there. And our mayor has even walked the runway with you. Oh, yes, he did. He participated in one of our, our annual events where we include 60 local designers, and they each get to put one signature look on the runway, and he wore one of those. I want to walk the runway. Oh, yeah, <laughs> next time. Tell me we'll get you in there. On the catwalk with yeah. Roy. <laughs> so you just uh, moved your location literally one building north. Uh, your new location is called the... Fabric Digital Fashion Innovation Center. What does that mean? And tell us about your future plan. Well, Fidgetal is just a matchup, mashup, sorry, of <laughs> physical and digital. And the reason is because using digital tools, using technology is gonna also be a big thing that helps with sustainability. When you're designing something, you actually need to cut and sew many samples before you get the final product, and there's a lot of waste involved in that, and it's expensive. And so when you can actually digitally cut and sew, you you know, and, and figure out the sample before you actually ever put scissors to cloth, that saves the brand money, and it saves a lot of excess fabrics and things going in the landfill. And we really embraced all this technology. We have 3D design capabilities and we make patterns virtually and we grade them into sizes virtually and we do um, fittings on 3D avatars with the garment and the characteristics of the fabrics built in so you can actually see what it's going to look like on a 3D avatar. You can use those avatars for marketing. Imagine if you designed something and you created it all digitally and then you actually had the ability to show it in 20 different prints and colors before you ever had to sew all of those pieces up and then you get orders and whatever the most popular pieces are that's what goes into production. You print, cut, and sew, pack, and ship direct to the consumer after they've ordered it. That is the answer. That's the solution for the future of fashion and we're doing it right here in Tempe, Arizona, and we're one of the only places in the whole U.S. that a small brand can go and actually get access to these tools. And then what makes it a digital innovation center is that digital can turn into physical, and we have a really amazing printer called the Cornet Presto that allows us to print on almost any fiber in whatever quantity. So we can print on demand really unique designed prints and things built right into those patterns. And so this place is pretty special. It's the first of its kind in the U.S. Wow. Amazing. Can you give us a ballpark of, you know, cost? What, are, what is the cost range of some of these uh, products? Yeah. So they are going to be, there. it's going to cost more when you buy something domestically. There isn't really any way around it, whether it's fashion or it's any product that you can Create. I mean, if you think about it, if a product is created in a third world country and the people making it weren't paid fairly and they made it in, you know, massive, massive quantities, then it's going to be cheap, right? So if you want something that is made domestically and the people that made it were paid fairly and they were treated fairly and they only made just what was needed, then it is going to be more expensive. So when these brands are marketing, they have to find the right consumer, the people who are willing to spend more on their clothing. It's not for everyone. They're not going to, like I said, they're not going to compete with fast fashion. So it's not $30 shirts. It's a couple hundred dollars for a dress, maybe even more. That's called bridge pricing. It's the bridge market. It's between the regular fast fashion and the designer market where something costs $2,000. You know, it's going right, to be right. a few hundred dollars, somewhere in between. And you have to be willing to invest that, hold on to that garment, um, cherish it, understand how much it costs per wear because you're going to be wearing it longer, and it's, it's going to be worth it when you think about that way. And it's specifically made for you. 
Exactly. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Brenda Clark is here with us today, and she's going to tell us about some of the fun things that are out there to do over the next couple of weeks. What's going on, Brenda? Hey, thank you so much. A lot of cool things are happening. Up on Friday, April 28th, you have the opportunity to go listen to music underneath the stars at Tempe Diablo Stadium. It's a unique celebration of music by high school students and professional musicians. It's free. Doors open at 7.30 and it ends at 9. Also, in line with sustainability and zero waste and rounding out the end of Earth Month, we have Zero Waste Day coming up on Saturday, April 29th. It's from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. It helps you recycle those items that don't really fit or go into the blue recycling container. So you can clean out your attics, get some spring cleaning done, and visit the tempe.gov slash zero waste website for everything that you can bring for that event. Uh, you just have to be uh, show proof of residency in Tempe or Guadalupe, and um, ASU student IDs will also be accepted. One of the last cool things is, is movies in the park. It's returning this spring at Kiwanis Park. You can bring your blankets, food, a little picnic. The movies begin at dusk on a big screen. That happens at about 7 p.m. in the North Soccer Field lot at Kiwanis Park. One of the best things about movies in the park is people bring their whole family. They bring their little kids. They bring their bicycles. I don't know how much of movies in the park is about the movie. I mean, you just see everybody having a really good time. That's our show for this week. Next week is our special graduation show. We'll be hearing moving stories from ASU News' Penny Walker. She's going to talk about the importance of college graduation to Tempe's workforce and how many graduates we have and the impact they have on our community. Don't forget about our contest. Go to tempe.gov slash tempe this week, answer all the trivia questions right, and you could win our season's grand prize, an overnight stay at the Omni Tempe Hotel at ASU, which is opening this week. So listen to the podcast, enter the really easy trivia question that we'll put on there, and you could win. Tempe This Week, the podcast.